The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to One Hour at a Time. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, in terms of Thanksgiving, uh, we know that November tends to be a month of gratitude, and our topic today is forgiveness. So that's probably a great month for December. That's a good thing for all of us to focus on during this uh, this month as well. Um, our guest today I'd like to introduce you to is Lyndon Harris, who is the co-director of Tiggs Pond Retreat Center in Zarconia, North Carolina, where he's developing a Journey to Forgiveness Institute. Um, Lyndon is also a forgiveness coach, an inspirational and motivational speaker. He has spoken at numerous conferences across the United States and around the world. He has served for more than 20 years as a pastor and his work at Ground Zero as priest in charge of St. Paul's Chapel which is located directly across from the World Trade Center in New York City, has been written about widely, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Christian Science Monitor. His work in forgiveness is featured in the award-winning documentary, The Power of Forgiveness. Well, welcome to One Hour of Time, Lyndon. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Mary. It's um, quite an honor to be with you. Thank you for your good work in the world. Well, thank you. I guess um, the world would be a whole lot better off if we all could develop forgiveness um, a little bit more than we currently do? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So how did you get, um, you've made the last 10 years or so a career out of forgiveness. How did that come about? Uh, That's such a great question. Um, I came kicking and screaming to the work of forgiveness. Uh, I used to be an Episcopal priest and I uh, had great sermons on forgiveness. I had it all figured out until I had to do the hard work of forgiveness. And then that's when I realized I needed to do a little more digging and understand what forgiveness really is. Um, I was the priest in charge of the church at Ground Zero right across from the World Trade Center when 9-11 happened in St. Paul's Chapel, historic uh, church uh, started in 1766. It was actually, is actually the church where George Washington went to pray on his inauguration as our country's first president. So it's a very historic church. Uh, But I joined the staff there in 2001 to develop a new ministry at St. Paul's Chapel, sort of um, a contemporary worship service to attract uh, younger folks who are moving into the area. And started in April, but uh, by September, uh, you know, the world had changed. And on September 11th, when I was um, I was at the foot of the South Tower when the second plane hit it, I was that close and had to run dodging debris to save my life, basically. 
Well, um, the next day, and by the weekend, we had started a rescue mission at St. Paul's Chapel, which ultimately ran for eight and a half months. It's been written about widely. Um, We served over half a million meals for rescue workers. We had massage therapy, chiropractic care, grief counselors, and lots of folks just working around the clock to show love to the Ground Zero rescue workers who were seeking to find, you know, those who were struggling to struggling for their lives within the first uh, week or so, and then ultimately to find the remains of the dead. Running that rescue mission for eight and a half months was one of the biggest challenges of my life. I was there for over 240 days, and that had a huge impact on me. It had a huge impact on my health, on my mental health, and, um, and there was some conflict, internal uh, conflict uh, over the direction of St. Paul's Chapel and which way it should go. And ultimately, I resigned from that position and became a very bitter man and spent a lot of time uh, drinking from that poison that Nelson Mandela talks about. You know, he, his quotation is one of the first lights that I saw. His quotation is that not to forgive it's like drinking poison and waiting for your enemies to die from it. Hmm. Well, I drank that poison for over a decade, I guess, and um, you know, finally made mistakes and and burned bridges and just <laughs> wasn't generally very happy and parted ways with the church, officially anyway. I still do a lot of work for churches, in churches, preaching and teaching and doing retreats and, and all that, as I do for other organizations, but um, my bitterness uh, was so entrenched that I couldn't really see beyond it. And a friend called me up out of the blue and said, well, Lyndon, I think you need to forgive. And I thought, are you kidding me? Do you realize how I've been treated? Do you realize what I've been through? What do you mean forgive? And then I called him back shortly afterwards and I said, of course, you know, as a priest in the church, I have to forgive. It's kind of my job description. <laughs> and that was the beginning, really, of a new life for me, uh, to see the importance of forgiveness, not only for us as individuals, but for the world. You know, to see forgiveness as a tool for personal healing, but also a tool for conflict transformation and conflict zones around the world. So I started a nonprofit called The Gardens of Forgiveness in 2005. We went to Beirut, Lebanon, and took family members from 9-11, in New York City anyway. Uh, Two women had lost sons, and one woman had lost her husband. We went to Beirut, Lebanon, for uh, for a vigil at the Garden of Forgiveness there, the world's first Garden of Forgiveness. And the idea was to bring that back to ground zero. Well, it didn't quite work out the way I had hoped. Um, the only thing less popular than the Islamic Center at Ground Zero was a Garden of Forgiveness at Ground Zero. Uh, they had 39% support, which included my support. We had 4% support from uh, a non-scientific poll taken in the community. But, you know, so forgiveness is a hard topic to embrace and deal with, especially in public situations like that. But it's also equally difficult for us as individuals to embrace it because 
And that poison tastes so good, I can tell you. I drank a lot of it, and I loved the taste of it. It made me a victim, and, you know, I felt reinforced in my pitiful state of affairs. But the reality was that I wasn't happy, and I wasn't thriving, and I wasn't making a positive difference in the world. And thank God, I finally came around and got over myself and my hurt and my woundedness and my betrayal and my mistakes and uh, charted a course to the future based on uh, the path of forgiveness. That's a long-winded answer, but that's how I got to this point. And working with Fred Luskin has been such a delight. Fred Luskin is a professor at Stanford who started the Stanford Forgiveness Project. And he's written a book that I highly recommend for folks in recovery and just folks, anybody. It's called Forgive for Good. And um, it's proven prescription for health and happiness. So it's his research and his methodology that I teach, and with his, not only his mentorship and partnership, but his friendship as well. I've been very blessed. So, I, I, you know, um, in many of the things that you're talking about, you're talking about betrayal, you're talking about being wounded, um, and many... I guess there's also a lack of faith as well, right, in that? Yeah, there's a lack of faith in, like, say, the church as an institution and other human institutions. I never really had a lack of faith in God, uh, but, yeah, that could have happened, too. It's quite possible. I don't remember it, but I'm certainly not beyond it. But I didn't blame God for the reality of my human condition, you know. Um, But... Sometimes in the forgiveness process, uh, we put everything on the table in my retreats and my workshops. Let's, let's put every, everything, everyone, every being on the table, including God, uh, as a topic for forgiveness, if that's useful and helpful. You know, um, you know, at Westbridge, we work with folks that have co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders, and so many of our our folks have been betrayed. They've been um, in some ways stigmatized or um, discriminated against. A lot of them have had some sort of trauma. And uh, the people who flourish are the people who are able to forgive and um, and move ahead. And, and the people who get stuck in that, that um, betrayal and that um, disillusionment and that victimization or their being a martyr, um, they just really, really struggle. And, and the quality of their life is just not um, as good. It's not. And your health suffers, too. Not only are you not happy, but your physical health suffers significantly. A recent study has shown that forgiveness is good for us, good for our health, on a par with quitting smoking. That's extraordinary. How do they, can you talk more about that? How did they come to that conclusion? Well, by uh, doing a lot of neurophysical research, uh, blood pressure work, uh, heart palpitations, heart rate. I'm not a scientist, but there's a great segment in the documentary, The Power of Forgiveness, that addresses the science of forgiveness and it's Uh, under the leadership of a professor at Virginia Commonwealth University. I'm assuming he's still there, C. Everett Worthington. He's one of the big names in the forgiveness world. He's written lots of books. But 
shows that whenever we are not able to forgive, whether the event happened two minutes ago or 20 years ago, the impact on our body is equally significant. Our blood pressure increases uh, to a point and it doesn't uh, come down for a lengthy period of time. Our heart rate goes up. The trauma to our brain, you know, the fight or flight uh, uh, response kicks in. And one of the biggest opportunities for our healing is to address that fight or flight response that kicks in when we either think about being wounded by someone or we contemplate our revenge as a response. You know, there's a guy in North Dakota a few years back who went out and knocked on someone else's door and asked, are you so-and-so? The guy said, yes. He pulled out a gun and shot him point blank, joined the eyes and killed him. It so happened that the perpetrator, the, the killer, was on the, uh, was the track team manager in high school 50 years prior to this event, 50 years, five zero, five decades. And the person he killed was the track star who thought uh, after one particularly glorious track meet, which as the star he won, you know, he thought it would be so much fun just to place his sweaty shorts on the shooter's head, and he humiliated him. This guy nursed a desire for revenge for 50 years and then fulfilled it. What a waste of a life. What a waste of two lives, of two families. They had children, you know. If we don't get control over this, it will consume us. It doesn't go away by itself. Time doesn't heal it. We have to be intentional and we have to figure out what the steps of forgiveness are and what forgiveness is and is not. And that's one of the great gifts that Fred Luskin gives us in his book, uh, Forgive for Good. And we'll be right back to talk more about that after our commercial break. Okay, great. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Children with chronic conditions shouldn't have to just live with it. There are many alternative options that can reduce, reverse, or even eliminate the effects of chronic illness in our children. On Kids Health Revolution Radio with host Deborah Morgan, we'll explore these alternatives to help you take care of your children. It's time to take our kids' health back. Listen every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're talking about forgiveness, which is a very timely topic, with our guest, Lyndon Harris, who is the co-director of Tiggs Pond Retreat Center in Zirconia, North Carolina, where he's developing a Journey to Forgiveness Institute. Um, Lyndon, so what is forgiveness and what isn't forgiveness? Okay, great question, Mary. Thank you. Well, the short answer that I like to share is something that Fred Luskin shares as well. Of course, I stole it straight from him. He said that forgiveness is making peace with the word no. You know, um, you wanted this and life gave you that, and forgiveness is making peace in that gap and that difference. And we find lots of strategies to bridge that gap. You know, I guess this is where any kind of drama comes in or addictions and challenges of that sort. Um, but making peace with what is is, of course, uh, a beautiful Buddhist understanding. But forgiveness is not condoning unkindness. It's not letting people off the hook for doing bad things. You know, it's not forgetting that something painful has happened. So we don't have to give up having feeling. Forgiving forgiveness is not excusing poor behavior, and it also does not have to be an otherworldly or religious experience. It works really well in faith tradition, but it works equally well as a wellness approach to life. Forgiveness is not denying or minimizing your hurt, and it doesn't mean reconciling with the offender. I want to come back to that later and talk about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. But what is forgiveness? And this is Luskin's definition. Uh, You know, we have uh, lots of definitions in uh, uh, card shops, uh, but this is our working definition of what forgiveness is. It's the peace that you learn to feel when you let go of unresolved grievances. And forgiveness is for you and not for the offender. It's really important. It's something we do for ourselves. It's taking back our power. Forgiveness is taking responsibility for how we feel. It's about our healing and not about the person or the people who hurt us. This is good news. Forgiveness is a trainable life skill, just like learning to throw a baseball. 
Forgiveness helps us get control over our feelings. It can improve our mental and physical health. Forgiveness is about becoming a hero instead of being a victim. And forgiveness is a choice. Everyone can learn to forgive. So to help folks become aware to this extraordinary power that is within us is such an open a new door uh, for a new beginning. Uh, folks are dealing with bitterness and resentment and betrayal. doesn't mean you have to give up uh, having those feelings or that you have to say that what happened wasn't important. And in spite of that, we say that my health and my wellness is more important than what happened to me. In other words, we work with a lot of people, a lot of demographics, and teach the forgiveness methodology. And, for example, let's uh, take the uh, example of, say, domestic violence. We encourage victims of domestic violence to forgive, but we never encourage victims of domestic violence to return to the relationship if things haven't changed. To forgive is to reclaim our power. We cease being a victim in someone else's narrative and we become the hero on our own journey when we forgive. To forgive is to release the burden, the weight of the hatred and the desire for revenge and to make room for other healthier pursuits. You know, um, so many things are going through my mind. I think... Sometimes people really don't understand that when you forgive, it, it helps you. It's not about the other person. It's about you. Yeah. And, yeah. and when people have been wounded or whatever, sometimes carrying around that anger feels energizing. I yeah. think it's also a barrier to grieving whatever that loss is that you've experienced. Uh, the reason true. I don't understand, we avoid grief at all costs. Yes. And, and so grieving painful. is such a healing process, but we don't talk about it enough. Yeah, so true. Well, there is a tragic element to life, isn't there? I mean, life, yeah. being life is to embrace and to live in the midst of tragedy because, I mean, the bottom line is none of us are going to get out alive. Uh, so to everything we have, we will lose. And by becoming aware of that, it makes our appreciation of what we have so much sweeter and so much deeper, I think. And that's what forgiveness can help us learn. Well, and if we can't forgive, we lose ourselves. I mean, and yep. that's the most important thing is that... Yeah. You know... I have dealt with people. I've, uh, I remember one person in particular saying, uh, and, you know, just really relishing the expression of gravitas expression of their heart. I will never forgive so-and-so, you know. And that's just a statement of tragedy. Right. Because you'll never get over the pain that so-and-so caused you. Forgiveness doesn't mean letting them off the hook. Prosecute them if that's possible to the fullest. Just do it with a different energy than the energy of revenge or getting even. And I mentioned uh, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation a moment ago. I'd like to return to that for just a second, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, the difference is that 
forgiveness is something we do for ourselves. Reconciliation is when we amend the relationship with the other person. So in other words, we can forgive and never reconcile with an offender. We can forgive and find help and healing for ourselves without ever having to go that extra step of reconciling with the offender. Now, in some situations, in uh, some cases, if that's a possibility, that's a healing prospect as well. But it's never, ever a precondition for forgiveness. And that's what, using our definition of forgiveness, uh, that's what's so puzzling for people. When I do seminars, they'll say, well, so-and-so never apologized to me, so you expect me to forgive that person? And, uh, and then I just try to clarify what forgiveness means as we are using the term forgiveness. It's something we do for ourselves, for our own health, and for our own um, joy in the world, because it brings joy. You know, um, Grief and remorse are short-term companions on life's journey. Uh, we don't have to buy on a round-trip ticket. Betrayals are short-term companions. We don't have to live there. Sometimes we choose to do that, as I did, but thank God, or thank the universe, thank other human beings who help us see beyond that despair. You know, last week was the 75th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, and there were a number of uh, TV shows and documentaries on, and I was watching one um, that was talking with some of the survivors of the attack on Pearl Harbor, and a couple of the men um, said they had to forgive or they couldn't have moved on with their life, that they had to do that for themselves, and... At some point, I guess at the 40th anniversary of, or the 50th anniversary of it, um, they got together with um, some Japanese uh, fighter pilots who were actually bombed Pearl Harbor. And the one Japanese fighter pilot said to the American, I am so sorry I bombed your ship. And the American said, we were at war. You were under orders. This is about two countries. It's not about Mm. us. And he wow. was able to forgive, you know. And then there was another man who was, yeah. who was burnt like 60% of his body, and he said, I could never forgive them. Yeah. You know, so it's just very different. Um, yeah. You know. And I it's a lot that, of psychic weight that we carry around unnecessarily when we don't forgive. And our mission, my mission, is to, to teach this to folks to help them see, as I was taught and as I have come to see, the benefits of forgiveness, you know, uh, more peace in our hearts and our lives, the better, uh, better for our hearts, for our mental processes, you know. It's, when we think about revenge, and this is one of the things that Worthington points out in the documentary, The Power of Forgiveness. When we think about revenge, the pleasure pathways of the brain light up the same pathways that light up when we eat chocolate. <laughs> That's why or drink it's or use called cocaine. Sweet revenge, huh? <laughs> or drink or use cocaine. Yes, of course. Of course, absolutely. Yep. The same pathways light up. 
problem with non-forgiveness, though, and the problem with revenge is, I think it was Mark Twain who said it, there ain't no future in it. So if, if somebody is struggling to forgive, how do you learn to forgive? I mean, there are some faiths that talk about forgiveness or other faiths mm-hmm. that talk about an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, how do we learn how to forgive? It's not easy. It's not easy. That's a great. That's a great point too. You know, an eye for an eye. Gandhi uh, had an improvement on that. He said, "An eye for an eye leads to both both eyes blind." And um, at some point, revenge maybe in our history was useful as in our evolutionary history to for survival. And maybe there's some usefulness for it today, but by and large, when we nurse these desires for revenge, we not only hurt ourselves, we hurt those closest to us and, you know, and those in the world, especially the targets of our revenge, if we enact, if we act on it. So, what about forgiveness? Here, here are, uh, let me take... Oh, we'll come right, right back quick. after the commercial to talk about... Okay. Learning how to forgive, okay? Okay, perfect. Sounds right. good. Thank you. We'll be right back, sure. everybody. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody, to One Hour at a Time. We're talking about forgiveness with Lyndon Harris, who is the co-director of Takes Pond Retreat Center in Zyconia, North Carolina, where he's developing a journey to, for, to Forgiveness Institute. And before we went to commercial, uh, Lyndon, you were about to tell us how we, how we can learn how to forgive, because for most of us, it's not an intuitive <laughs> reaction. Yeah, okay. yeah, thank you for that. It's true. It, it's really counterintuitive. We seem to be hardwired for revenge, but forgiveness is really kind of surprising. Uh, but it is a, a learnable uh, life skill. And so here are the nine steps. I'll just lay it out for you, if you don't mind. And this is uh, from my mentor, Fred Luskin, his book, Forgive for Good. Um, one is to know exactly how you feel about what happened and be able to articulate what about the situation is not okay. And then tell a trusted couple of people about your experience. You know, not the New York Times, not the whole uh, bridge group, uh, or whatever groups you may be involved in, but a couple of people. Share what it is that you feel and what about the situation is not okay. And in that sharing, that's, you know what, and the second step is to make a commitment to yourself to do what you have to do to feel better. Forgiveness is for you and not for anyone else. So make that commitment. If some of you out there right now are struggling with this idea of forgiveness, make a commitment to yourself and your future self that you will do what you have to do to feel better and find healing through this work of forgiveness. Forgiveness, as I said, number three, forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation with the person who hurt you. It doesn't mean condoning their actions. What we are after is to find peace. Forgiveness can be defined as the peace and understanding that come from blaming that which has hurt you less and taking the life experience less personally and changing your grievance story. You see, we develop grievance stories. It can start with something as simple as, you know, the person cut me off in traffic on my way to work this morning. When we give energy to that, we retell that, you know, it becomes, well, I'm the person who always gets cut off in traffic on the way to work in the morning. And then, you know, before long, you're the consummate traffic victim. Everybody's trying to cut me off in traffic. You see how giving energy to that can make it grow. And that's not helpful or healthy. So um, get the right perspective on what is happening. Recognize that your primary distress is coming from the hurt feelings, thoughts, and physical upset that you're suffering now, not what offended you or hurt you two minutes or 20 years ago. Forgiveness helps us heal those hurt feelings. The fifth thing is at the moment you feel upset, Practice a simple stress management technique to soothe your body's fight-or-flight response. We have a process we call PERT, Positive Emotion Refocusing Technique. 
basically that deep breathing with three breaths, focusing on what the upset is or the grievance is, and then changing the channel after three or four deep breaths to an image that brings us joy or delight. Okay? Um, The next is to give up expecting things from other people or from life that they don't choose to give you and recognize what uh, these unenforceable rules are and what the implications are for our health. Remind yourself that you can hope for health, love, peace, and prosperity and work hard to get them. But if you have an unenforceable rule that someone else is going to make you happy, and you're setting yourself up for failure and distress. The next thing is to put your energy into looking for another way to get your positive goals met and through the experience that has hurt you. So in other words, instead of mentally replaying your hurt, seek out new ways to move forward in life to get what you want. And then remember that a life well-lived is your best revenge. If you want revenge, find it that way of focusing on wounded feelings and thereby giving the person who caused you pain power over you, learn to look for love, beauty, and kindness all around you. Forgiveness is about our personal power. can't stress that enough. It's something we do for ourselves. And then finally, we should amend our grievance story to remind us of the heroic choice to forgive. Uh, The practice of forgiveness has been shown to reduce anger, hurt, depression, stress, and it leads to greater feelings of hope and peace and passion and self-confidence, opening our hearts to kindness, beauty, and love and relationship. These are uh, simple steps to forgiveness. Um, Maybe they're not easily intuitive, but they do make sense after you look over them or consider them. There are other steps to forgiveness that other people write about. They're all basically the the same thing, you know. Take stock of what has happened. Acknowledge that it's not okay that you were hurt or wounded. And then choose not to continue wounding yourself by holding on to the hate that you have for that other person. So that's a lot, but... um, now, those are the steps to forgiveness. And what I'm trying to do here at Tig's Pond is I want to create a journey to forgiveness walking trail where these nine steps are on a half-mile loop uh, and people can be in nature and enjoy the beauties of nature while they're doing their forgiveness work. That's one of the joys that I have in my work here. You know, in the um, 12-step community, one of the things you, you learn as a when you're helping people um, treat their addictions is that resentments are like the number one killer of people with alcoholism or drug abuse, that, that they, they just eat away at your soul. And, um, and the, the suggestion is that when you, when you have a resentment towards someone, you get on your knees and pray for that person every day for two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, your your thought pattern has changed and you're able to usually let go of the resentment and see that person in a different light. And I think that, incredible. Yeah. that sometimes we don't understand that forgiveness is an action. It's not, it's, you know, it's, it's something you have to work at. It's not just something yeah. you can, you know, passively say, oh, yeah, I forgive you. I mean, it really takes a lot of re 
structuring your thoughts and, and how you perceive yourself and the event and, and the individual and understanding that you give away your power when you're resentful. Absolutely. Yeah, and you're no fun to be around, you know? Oh, no, so not at all. Important. So important to realize this. And, you know, the literal rewiring of the pathways of your brain happen, as I understand it by reading our neuroscientists. When you do this, right. it, it creates more pathways for joy and health and healing and happiness. So important. Well, and, and the, the whole concept of forgiveness is, is sometimes seen as turning the other cheek or being weak. Um, and we really kind of have downgraded it, um, forgiveness, yeah. as, as yeah. disempowering and passive. And, um, you know, people really don't understand how empowering forgiveness is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's such a great point you make, the whole turning the other cheek idea. I mean... That has been so misunderstood in, in, uh, in Bible studies forever and a day. What Jesus was talking about when he told people to turn the other cheek based on the understanding that under the Roman Empire, it was considered illegal for uh, a slave owner to strike the, their subjects with a backhand because it considered lethal. You could, at the time, however, strike your slave with an open hand. I mean, this is all horrible stuff. I know, but I'm just giving full background on this. So the idea was uh, you could open with the open hand, but you couldn't backhand. And Jesus is saying, okay, oh, yeah, here's the other cheek. Uh, bring, bring the backhand, because I can take it. It wasn't an active, wasn't an active violence on his part, but a very active, nonviolent resistance to an imperial system that demeaned people. So turning the other cheek um, is an act of, of power. Forgiving is an act of power. You know, Gandhi said, the weak can't forgive, only the strong can forgive. And it's true. It's finding our strength and being strong in ourselves when we can come to that point. Having been an ordained priest in the Episcopal Church, why do you think organized religion doesn't focus more on forgiveness? You know, it's a great question. Um, and it's the heartbeat, really. I mean, if you look at the Lord's Prayer as a poem and look at it visually, the centerpiece of the Lord's Prayer, which we pray in every service in the Episcopal Church, every worship service, the Lord's Prayer is prayed, the central focal point of the Lord's Prayer is forgiveness. You know, and I think, uh, I think some folks out there are doing a really good job, and I mean, like anything, we fail miserably at times and succeed in other ways. One of the real pioneers and champions of forgiveness was Archbishop Tutu, who really taught us all how to do it. You know, he says there's no future without forgiveness, a part of the truth and reconciliation process in South Africa with Nelson Mandela. There is no future without forgiveness. The Chinese proverb is right that the person who seeks revenge should dig two graves. So, you know, we have to ask ourselves. We have to take stock. Is this the future I want? Do I want to be like the guy in North Dakota who shot the track star 
50 years after the humiliating event and then spend the rest of my life in prison or face the death penalty or whatever. I mean, the choices are stark. Well, and we'll be right back right after this commercial to talk about um, how we can learn to forgive ourselves, which is probably the hardest person we'll ever have to forgive, right? And we'll be right back after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about forgiveness today with Lyndon Harris. Lyndon, how can people get a hold of you or, or learn more about your work? Oh, thank you, uh, Mary. I have a website, uh, just lyndonharris.com, and all my contact information is there. Uh, I'm available to talks and retreats and for consultation, all that. I'm a, I'm a zealot for the work of forgiveness because of the difference it has made in my life. And, you know, once you've tasted the good stuff, you have to share it. <laughs> so can we talk a little bit about self-forgiveness? Because I think most of us struggle with that. Um, 
that whole concept of forgiving ourselves? Boy, that's the hardest one. Uh, to forgive ourselves is by far the hardest in my experience and, and the experience of those who attend my workshops. Um, I'm deeply indebted to the work of Brene Brown at the University of Houston and her brilliant work on shame. And uh, I, I often talk about her idea that uh, we conflate guilt and shame and when we conflate guilt and shame, we're not able to deal with the problem. And what is the difference between guilt and shame? As she puts it, guilt is I did something awful, and shame is I am something awful. And if we feel that we are something awful, then there's no redemption. Shame is useful, I think, to some point, but ultimately, if we see it in this way, Shame is a lie. We are created with beautiful hearts, with a love full of possibilities for making good in the world. And when we fall into difficulties or despair or, you know, um, become not so lovely people ourselves, it's important to remember that that's not the last word. We are not something awful. We might have done something awful for which we can make amends, and that's vital for our own healing as well. But to see ourselves as awful, it's a non-starter for moving forward in life. So I just want to encourage everyone listening to the show to embrace their inner beauty and see that whatever it is you might have done or might have thought about doing, you are not your results. You are not your actions. You're more than that. And you can make a man. You can overcome guilt. And you can release shame and live a vital, productive, life-giving, joy-filled life. And that is our birthright and our blessing. So, but you're right. Forgiving ourselves is really the hardest thing to do because... We have higher expectations for ourselves than we do for others, don't we? Does that seem to be the case for you? Oh, exactly. And it's so hard when you don't meet those expectations. I mean, I mean, I know for me, I just feel like a complete waste of human being. I mean, I, I just... Yeah. As much as I aspire, I never quite make those expectations. And yeah. so it's so defeating. I mean, you know... Yeah. In all creative pursuits, uh, we've come to realize that failure is one step on the way, too, and embracing that in our personal lives might be one way to get beyond it, uh, to realize that our failings are really opportunities for us to learn to be better people and to be better giving people in the world. Um, But it's so hard, and when you find someone who is so consumed with self-hatred and loathing, well, it's really hard to, to help that person out of that funk. And really, the only thing that works is love, continual love, patience, tension, forgiveness. You know, I think of people struggling with addiction, how overwhelming that can be, how awful folks feel about themselves and how the family systems are impacted. It's just, um, well, it's just a recipe for 
a toxic recipe for misery. Well, I think the other side of that is coming to terms and the realization that that we all have character defects. We're all imperfect. And once you can kind of accept that, it's it's almost like forgiveness. It's like, okay, um, this is what it is. If I'm wrong, I'll apologize. I can make amends. But I don't have to have those high expectations of myself or anyone else. I think most people have good intentions. Um, And we know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But I think, you know... I think, you know, it's like, you know, this is this is what I've got for you today, and tomorrow I may be better, but this is all that's there is right. for today, and, and I think that's very liberating as well. It's so powerful. There is no lost cause. Uh, forgiveness is available for all, and you know, even in a situation where you can't make amends to the person you might have offended, say, for example, that person has moved away or is no longer alive. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have this concept called tikkun olah, which translated means the healing of the world. So if you can't make amends to a person whom you have hurt, you pay forward that positive energy into other broken places in the world. And if we're all working on that, we're making the world a better place. But it's so important to acknowledge, as you say, rightly, we all have our character defects. Let's don't get so tied up and so consumed by that. Let's make amends when we need to and love ourselves and move forward. That's what forgiveness is about. Wouldn't the world be a much better place if we could all just forgive and move on? I mean, it would be a much happier world. Yes, yes, absolutely. We're working on that. That's what we try to do with our gardens of forgiveness. Well, thank you so much, Lyndon, for being our guest today and for talking about forgiveness. I know this is something we all need to work on, and it's a skill you have to keep developing. Um, And thank you so much. Have a great week. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.